Welcome to the Faith Church Peshtigo podcast. You can connect with us online at faithpeshtigo.com. We're also on Facebook. Just search for Faith Church Peshtigo. Today's podcast features a conversation between Pastor Jay and Pastor Jeff talking about the sermon from May 2nd, 2021. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Faith Church podcast. I'm your host, Jay Williams. And joining me today is Jeff Clossy. Hello, I'm Jeff Clossy. I think my voice just cracked. I did a little bit. I like that. (laughs) A little bit. Does it feel echoey in here? It's just real is what it is. It's real. Yes. Okay. Well, uh, because now that we are both completely immune to everything, we can be in the same room in a podcast again. We can. It's very exciting. It is. I can see your face. Now I can see you smiling, Jay, and all your antics are much more visible. <laughs> and your and your response to said antics are also visible. So we are like on a tight. We have no time for jibber jabber today. Yes, Look, we, listen to all this jibber jabbering. Our, all this jibber jabbering <laughs> already, and we're known for our jibber jabbering. But we don't have time for that today because we are in a tight. We're in a tight ship here now. Well, we run an efficient operation. Yeah, we do. That's the reality. That's that's what people say about anything mm-hmm. that I have my hands on is the efficiency, <laughs> tight ship. You know those kinds of things. Ducks in a row. Ducks in a row. Uh-huh. We have a lot of dotted. phrases for that concept. That you do. <laughs> None of them apply to me. Oh, it's funny. Eyes crossed, T's dotted, all that stuff. Okay. So, uh, this past weekend, man, you preached. The love of God. Yeah. So, that I mean, this was a big topic. Mm-hmm. And I thought you did a fantastic job with it. Um, other than making fun of me during first service. Which, I feel like... That was just a moment of divine providence that when it happens, you have to just rejoice. When Jay sets himself up for comedic, I can't believe you're not interrupting me here. I'm just waiting for some sort of... I'm just letting you <laughs> just letting you go, wondering what words are you going to choose. I'm yeah. choosing them but as I, mean, I say them. I, that I was feel... a fun moment for me. Well, I'm glad you thought it was fun. I don't know if that's actually on... So if you were in second service, you didn't get to hear the full bit but Jay talked about taking time off the sermon as if that needed to happen. So then I just, I just wondered out loud. I didn't actually say that Jay preached too long. No, I just you wondered, didn't say it. am I the one that needs some time taken off the sermon? You implied it. Well, <laughs> some yeah. people heard it that way. Yeah. Well, I think everybody heard it that way. It, I mean, in your defense, it was a, it was a fair statement. Because, yeah, you, you are definitely known of being more efficient of the two of us. I feel like Robbie always gets a pass, though. Yeah, we should actually look at the... We, we can look, look at, at the videos and see. Yeah, we can it's just do an there. average, like a batting average. <laughs> it's objective, actually. Yeah, yeah it is objective. <laughs> like they were like, well, who can really tell who <laughs> preaches longer than anybody? Uh, all of us, We actually. have clocks. Yeah, we have clocks. So. We can tell. But yeah, the love um, of God. It was a really... I have to say, going into it with being such a broad... I mean, it is a broad topic, and it's very large. I... Um, was really I always am asking God, would you please lead my thinking and my study of your word that would be most helpful? But at this time in particular, I felt need from him for direction and clarity and then parameters around how to talk about that because it is so huge. And it's like the love of God is a topic that every single page of scripture has something to say about, even if it doesn't use the word love. So I actually ended up ending the week feeling so excited just to get to talk about it because my own heart had been stirred so much thinking about his love and then his very nature and then how he loves us. Um, so I, I'm thankful to have been able to preach on that topic. 
Yeah. So, I mean, I thought you, you handled it, like I said, really well. And it, it's tough because that's, that is like one of the central themes of all of scripture. And now you got to preach a sermon on it. And, um, I, I think a couple of things that stuck out to me that I thought would be good for us to discuss. One is you made the statement and the distinction between God is love and love is God. And I, I thought that was really helpful because it definitely speaks to kind of the idolatry in our own culture where we want to, we want to define love ourselves. Um, and then, and then we, we kind of deify that idea that and and then I thought man you made such a great point of talking about the difference and like what you end up with then is an abstract an abstract idea rather than the personal God uh, why do you I mean why do you think that's so tempting for us to do like what motivates us to do that because I think it's so common mm-hmm. and and how do you how do you push back against that like how do you fight against that that leaning because on one hand, we, we're always doing that with God because we're trying to personify him in a way. And he personifies himself like in the incarnation. But on the other hand, like he's not contained by human form. His ways are so much higher than ours. Like we can't possibly understand all that. So is that is that the only reason we do that? Like what are the temptations in that? And why is it? how do we actually pursue understanding this God of love? I mean, I do think... I mentioned in the sermon, I do think some of it has to do with control. So we we put, uh, C.S. Lewis has an essay called God in the Dock. And Dock is in like, he's in, he's on the, he's on trial, basically. Mm. And I think that is a natural, un, un, unfortunately, it's an abnormal thing based on what I said, but it's what we do. We are a judgmental humans and we put God in this position where we somehow, I think subtly are judging him and his ways. And it's, it happens, it happens to believers, to followers of Jesus and to those who don't follow Jesus. It happens to both of us. It just manifests itself differently. Like someone mentioned to me right um, after the, after the sermon um, about how it, it, that thought helps them. It will help them read the old Testament passages that have been challenging for them in a new way. So sometimes we can read things and it's hard. There's hard things in the Bible and we can't grasp them fully, but we can read them and think God wouldn't do that. God isn't like that. And unfortunately what we do when we take this, like basically God's eye point of view, as if we can understand all the reasons that God does it and all of the, the situation well, and then we say, well, that's not loving. And in, in doing so, we do make ourselves God. And I think Christians do that and non-Christians. But yeah, I think one one way to really combat it is we have to be in community with other people who are pursuing Jesus and his word because there's this this corrective that happens as we bounce ideas off each other and as we're all indwelled by the Spirit. It's, to me, a good argument for discipleship only happens in community. It does not happen as a lone ranger somewhere. It really doesn't. Yeah, and, and you you touch on a really important point that there are things that we read in scripture and I think we, we interpret it through our own lens and we say, well, if I were to do that, yes, that wouldn't be loving. And obviously one of the big ones that we go to is God's wrath. Anytime there's God's wrath or God's anger. And we think that that's opposed to love. But what we realize through scripture is it's actually because of his love that there is wrath. I mean, just like 
if someone harms my child, I will have I will have anger about that. Um, it's but it's it's proportionate to the love I have for him, like the investment I have. I can I can read an article about some distant person, and I can be sad in reading the article. I can even be angry at you know at the sin that caused that, but it doesn't last very long. But if it's my own child, it's it does last, and it's because my love for my children is so deep. And um, and I think I think that's where we get into trouble a lot. Is we just we want to personify and we say, well, if I did that, or this is how I would interpret that. But we don't realize that that to really love somebody the way that God to to love somebody the way God does, which is you know unfailing and it's um, it's long suffering. It's with all knowledge. Like there's nothing that God learns. Our our you, so you mentioned you mentioned that our love is dependent on these different things. And so one of the things you mentioned was just I think you mentioned like pleasure or like what yeah you know. yeah what we what we look at and desire find desirable or somehow benefits us. Those right. tend to be the things we love. Right. Yeah. And so God God doesn't love that way. No. He gives benefit. He doesn't receive. Um, he doesn't receive benefit, which is really... He has no need. He has no need. Yeah. It, it's it's love. It's truly self-giving love that turns out then, I think, to be... Love ends up being whatever is really truly good for the one who's being loved. And the interesting thing, too, how God's... I didn't get to get into this during the sermon, but that's another way that our love is different. So like as a parent, like you mentioned that analogy, we do know often what is good for our children. We have a perspective on them that other people don't have that's unique as a parent, and we do what is good for them even when they might not like it. So whether it's right. like eating healthily or you know hygiene or whatever, um, but God knows what's good for each one of us all the time. He always knows it. So I think one of the reasons we, we sometimes misjudge what love is is because we think we know what's good for us. Right. And we just don't. That's just unfortunate. We just don't. Often we have no idea what's good for us. Usually I, what's good for me in my own mind is ease and pleasure and no stress or work. I mean, that that's like, well, you know, it's vacation. Ama- that sounds amazing. That's vacation, right? It's like you're, you're taking it easy. And I think that's what, right. you know, clearly it's not boredom, but I think that's what we want a lot of times. Just play all the time, essentially. But God knows there's something better. We're made for something more than that. And that's what his love does is it brings that it brings what is actually good for us. Yeah. And I, I think as a, anybody that's been a parent has probably had a child say to them some version of, if you loved me, you would let me do whatever I want. And we know how silly that is. You, you don't have to be a parent to know how silly that is. I think we all remember saying that as a kid at some point, this view that your love for me means that I basically have freedom, which I think means I can do whatever I want. But I mean, how, how unloving, I mean, how unloving do we see the parent who just lets their child go and do whatever they want? Yeah. We have a word for it. You know, it's neglect. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's, it's like, it's a form of abuse actually, because it's not loving. Right. And our, and, and so what happens is when God defines love in a way that's opposed to what we think is loving, then we kind of are at this crossroads, right? Like I, I have to, at that point say, okay, who do I think is more loving? Like, do I think that I'm more loving than God? Do I think that I understand this better than God does? And obviously the answer is no. 
And obviously, we would think if really the irony ends up being that if God actually did conform to our version of love or our our idea of love, um, he would actually cease to be good mm-hmm. because he wouldn't he wouldn't do what was best for us. He would do whatever we thought was best, even if it caused us harm. And which would then I mean, that opens up all kinds of things like the reason why God doesn't do that is because he's not dependent on our affections. He doesn't he again, he doesn't need anything. He's, he's able to be completely selfless in his love and bestowing that upon us and and we know from human relationships that we don't work that way like none of our our love is not completely selfless we'll talk next week about how how do we do that how how can we be selfless in our loving of our neighbor but in our nature our sin nature we are very selfish in our loving not only you you talked about it the world orbiting around us and what can we receive from others but even when we're trying to be selfless there's still all these other sinister motivations. Like I want them to see me as loving. I want them to see me as selfless. I want the, the thanks and the, the response, um, that, that I think will come by doing these things. And, and then of course we've talked about this before that inevitably whatever thanks or praise you're looking for, it's never going to be enough. Mm -hmm. And so you do something for somebody and they, they don't thank you properly or enough or at all. And then all of a sudden, yeah, you find out really quickly why you did it. Right, right. What, I mean, yeah. it, it. some of this does go back to, um, I got to preach on secrecy a few yes. weeks ago, and yeah. it actually is in, related in that we are, uh, God does things um, for the good of the other all the time. And, that, and then I think when you start talking about the very being of God, that God is triune, and so the Father, the Son, and the Spirit have been doing that sort of love and, and having it for each other forever, right. it is, again, it's mind splitting. You can kind of lose, you know, lose it trying to figure it out because we can't comprehend it. But if we can even just get a glimpse of a being that that's, that's the world of that being that is always loving, always doing what is best for the other and delighting in that all the time. And that's what God is doing mm-hmm. because that's who he is all the time for all eternity. I just think it's amazing that that was one of the things that, I think humbled me as I thought about it, but also filled me with a lot of joy is that he then invites us into that world with him. Like that's, it's this knowing God, knowing Christ, that's what it is. It's being invited into what is central about who God is and about what reality then is. It's it's unbelievable that we get to do that and get be part of it. It it really, it really is. So kind of in that, I actually I want to touch on something else that you said in your sermon that could have caused, um, I think it could have turned some heads. And you're you're always so gentle in the way you deliver things, so I think um, I tend to yell more and so <laughs> or get more excited and amped up. Uh, and and you made a statement that God God is drawn to our unloveliness. Mm-hmm. Now I think for a lot of people when you hear that you think well. I don't, is that possible? Like, are you saying that, that God's, God is drawn to, like, how does that work? That God is drawn to my unloveliness. You, you mentioned, you know, that mindset that if I, if I read the Bible and pray today, then God loves me more. Um, And if I don't, then his love for me is, is muted. But you weren't just saying that, no, 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 he loves you the same, which is true in, Mm -hmm. in a very real sense. 
But you're saying like he's no, he's actually drawn, but he's drawn more to us in our love unloveliness. What do you, what do you mean by you want to kind of re, you want to give you a chance to double down on that? I do. And, I I think it's true. Um, why do you think that's so hard for us? Oh, I think it's so contrary to the way we experience the world. I think we learn from very early on from the people who love us the very best, actually. Really, it's not just like the stranger who's cruel to us. It's the way the world is. It's broken. And I mean, the analogy, I think, is, you know, a doctor, a good doctor is, is drawn to those in need of the doctor. Right. And Jesus talks about that, that it's those who are sick who need the physician. And I, I, I think that that's another way of saying it. And interestingly, we were talking in a staff meeting about this today, right? Like if you, if you invert that, like if God right. isn't drawn to the unlovely, he's drawn to the lovely, then that is not good news for us. No. It, it, especially if we can see ourselves even a glimpse of, of how far we are um, away from him in our brokenness. If he isn't drawn to the unlovely, I know for myself personally, I have no hope of knowing him and being in him because it's only because of that. It's because of who God is in his love that I'm in him. Yeah, because we were talking about, yeah, that opposite of that statement is if I say God is not drawn to my unloveliness, then I'm saying God is drawn to my loveliness, which means he's drawn to my good works or my, Mm -hmm. um, my faithfulness or whatever, which we know if you've been following Jesus at all and you know the scriptures at all, you know that's... That's heresy. The idea that I have something like that, that my good works get gets the attention of God and the love and I can earn that affection. We know that's not true, but then we are really uncomfortable with the opposite, the flip side of the coin. I think it's important to distinguish. We're not saying that God loves our sin as if he's indifferent to our actions or something. Yeah. Or that he, yeah. And he's not, he's not drawn to us even like some of us who like to try to rescue people or whatever. He's not drawn in that same way as though he, then we're filling some void for him. He's drawn to our need though, because he is a God. He is a giving God. He, he gives benefit. He gives, um, mercies. He gives blessings. We don't, we, we have nothing to offer him. He is a God who selflessly loves and, and, and gives that benefit to others. And so that need for that, is what draws that desire in him to give. Mm-hmm. And, and so it doesn't mean it doesn't. And, and we, I wonder if it's helpful because even in staff meeting today, we talked about, we distinguished between God loving and God being pleased. That is, I think it's a really helpful distinction. Yeah. Which, so basically just the, the long and the short of that is that we, I think some of the times we feel uncomfortable because we know that there there is unholiness and sin, and we know God is not pleased yeah. with our sin and our disobedience. Spirit is grieved, right? right? The scriptures say the spirit is grieved by our sin, so it actually saddens the Holy Spirit. Right, but Which, that doesn't change His love. It doesn't change His love, and and that's hard for us to grasp because for us they go so hand in hand. Mm-hmm. Like I feel loving towards a person who is pleasing me. I feel I, because we go with the emotions and you did a really good job of talking about like, this is a desire and, mm-hmm. and talking about, you know, the eighth grade boys trying to define love, yes. which is just, if you've never asked a group of eighth grade boys <laughs> to define love, you are missing out. Yeah. yeah that's fantastic. a bucket. That's a bucket list item right there. It truly was a wonderful night. I loved it. Yeah. It's great. It's so good. But you, you know, so it is love is both. It is a desire. It's, there's emotion to that. There's also action to it. It's all of these different things. 
And so we experience on a human level that when someone is giving displeasure, our love kind of dwindles. Mm -hmm. And there comes a certain point where, you know, where you would, you would turn away. So if I, if I displeased you, Jeff, day after day after day, and just made, and, and caused you displeasure and gave you displeasure every single day that you worked here, eventually you're going to stop working here. Eventually you're going to go away. And so we kind of, we project that onto God that if, if I displeased him, then he must feel less loving towards me, at least feel less loving towards me. Even if he's technically not, because we do that sometimes where we say like, well, no, I don't love you any less, but I, I, I feel like what yeah, I, I mean dislike by you. Like, right. I dislike you. <laughs> I like, or, or like we're wearing God out. Right. Exactly. Right? That's, we're yeah. not wearing. You're not. You're not. His love. It's 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 impossible for us to fully grasp. But his love never wavers. It never fails. It never. It does not get wear uh, wear down. Like he is. You know he does not grow weary in that. He does not um, grow impatient with us. So his displeasure at our sin is because of the destruction that that brings in us because of our lack of faith in him and trusting him you know yeah. like any good father who says just trust me and then when the when the child doesn't and then ends up creating wreaking havoc in their own life or in other people's lives that brings displeasure to a good father but that doesn't change the level of love i know it's an incredible thing it really clicked for me um it was actually right after i graduating from college and having my first job, this was in IT, mm -hmm. and I was memorizing, working on memorizing various passages, and I memorized one in Lamentations, and it said, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. Mm -hmm. And that is just so clear, the idea that it never ceases, it doesn't stop, it, there's not a blip in your day when his love has decreased. And when then you relate that to your experience of pain or agitation or suffering, so his love hasn't changed, but you are experiencing difficulties. You know that those difficulties aren't coming from like punishment. They're not coming from God's lack of love for you. Mm -hmm. To me, that I had a moment. I remember walking through downtown Milwaukee, memorizing that passage and just clicked. Like I knew it before, but then I really knew it. I think it was the spirit working in my heart that his love for me my whole life has not ever changed. It has not wavered. It has been to the full because that's who he is all the time he doesn't change yeah. and that that's where i think when i was referring back to luther as i was thinking about that with luther and doing a little research with the reformation and this like rediscovery of justification by faith that our salvation is not based upon works that really the key moment in that discovery was when he realized god loves him not because he's made himself attractive to right. god and it's really true when you start to unwind it a little bit, like what's going on in that doctrine and that theology, that is key. Without that, it does fall apart because um, it is about grace, but it's grace because of who God is in his love. Right. That's what flows out of that. Yeah. And that for Luther, I mean, Luther was terrified of terrified. God. And like, I, I think I remember him one point being terrified to even hold the communion elements because if he spilled them, then like he would incur the wrath of God. And, I think without God's love, none of it makes sense. Like, why Why would God do this? Why would he rescue me? How? Why would he turn enemies into sons and daughters? Like, well, how does that even work? And it's, 
it's love and it's love that clearly has a definition that no human being could fathom in our mm-hmm. own in our own strength and i i know that for me i felt that when it's interesting you share that for me it was um it took me years to understand um post post conversion you know coming to christ i'd always heard these testimonies from people who shared you know how horrible they were before and then they came to Christ and then kind of the presentation was now I'm this different person, which is good. We, we are called to be different and we're empowered by the Holy Spirit to be different. But sometimes I think it could get to where like basically, and now I don't sin anymore. And I would hear those testimonies and I would think, man, I feel like all of my big sin has been, been since I came to Christ. You know, because I, I, I came to Christ, I remember at 11 years old. And I just remember feeling like, well, God must be he must not love me as much as, you know, he, I understand how he can forgive a person who never knew him and didn't know which way was the right way. And now he's awakened them. And that makes sense. But I didn't know what to do with my sin as someone who was a professed Christian. And when I realized, and that's where like Romans five, eight, and you quoted it there, that God demonstrates his love for us. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That was such a key turning point for me because it was the first time I realized that God didn't, that God was drawn to my unloveliness, that it was Mm -hmm. in that moment, in my lowest, darkest place, that um, the God who is outside of time and knows all things, that Christ died for me. And so I just, I hope, I mean, so I guess I would ask a question, I guess, to kind of wrap this up. What are some practical, just what's a practical playing out of this? What, what, What does it mean like what, why is it good to, to meditate on just this idea that God is love and that he loves us and that he and the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit have, have loved one another since before the foundations of the world? To, to understand that that love that they share has now been given to us, how, how does that affect my daily life? Hmm. That's a, I mean... To me, I can't imagine. I can't imagine anymore getting through a day without knowing that. To be honest, mm-hmm. like I feel like for me, the more the longer I follow Jesus, and the more in His mercy and grace He has shown me the ways that I am not like Him, the ways that I still have sin and I still am broken. The more I see that, the more I just can't imagine completing a day following him without knowing his love for me. So I think kind of if you invert that a little bit, God's priority for every one of us in his love is that we would become more like Jesus, right? We're image bearers and he's restoring us into that image. That's like big picture. We can't engage in growing in Christ if we think we're doing it to become lovely for him. We'll end up doing it out of selfish reasons where we then orbit around ourselves right away. Like before we even get started, we've made it about ourselves. And so I think really practically being reminded daily, I think the Psalms for me have been so helpful that they're just overflowing with that idea of God's love and his steadfast love, delighting in that. And then reading, reading the gospels regularly to see Jesus as he lives, he is showing us like in human form what it looks like. This is love lived out and fleshed. And put, trying to imagine and put ourselves there is also a helpful exercise that these were real human beings encountering it and what 
how shocking it was for them when they encountered true love in the flesh as well. So practically too, I think I'm excited for this this weekend where we talk a little bit more about the horizontal love between humans mm-hmm. and humans because understanding God as love radically transforms the way we then think about loving other people as well and yeah. w- what that takes on. So, Yeah, I, I mean, being loved by God and knowing that love and knowing that he is not, he doesn't turn away from my unloveliness, but he actually is what makes, that's what makes me lovable. Like he, and lovely in, in his eyes is he does that. That just has given, personally, it's given me so much security in, in just who I am, knowing that who I am is dictated by him and not by my actions on any given day. It's not dictated by whether I think I preached a good sermon or not, or whether I handled a situation properly or not, or whether I'm being the best parent I can be or any of those things. It's just not, it's not dependent. Like I, I mean, I'm free then to pursue all of those things because of the security of knowing that I'm loved by God and that love is dependent on him. Yes. Because then it's unchanging. It's never failing. I think in another practical way, as far as that vertical love, I think is really important is that then when I do sin, mm-hmm. I can quickly confess. Yes. Because I'm not hiding, you know, every kid knows what it was like to, to do something you know is wrong and then you you hide. That's our instinct. But when you understand that his love for me is every bit as strong in the midst of that, in fact, he's actually drawn to me in my need, then I, I know that I don't have to run in shame or fear or hide. I can quickly confess, which obviously has huge ramifications for battling sin. Because most of the time when we become defeated by sin or it gets a hold on us, it's because we're hiding in darkness, trying to deal with ourselves, and then it grows. It does. But when you when you immediately confront that and say, I'm I'm not unlovely to God, because in Christ I'm 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 lovely because of the righteousness of Christ. Mm-hmm. Not because it, not based on whether I resisted this temptation or I gave in to this temptation or I whatever happened. Now, yeah, I want to pursue holiness. I want to pursue that identity in him, but I pursue it in the framework of this God who loved me in the midst of my sin and that that doesn't change because Mm -hmm. of that. I I think it just, it's given me, um, it's given me a boldness to be able to live more freely and to be able to bounce back more quickly from failings. I mean, I used to not take me forever to bounce back from failings and I, yep. I can bounce back so much more quickly because I'm not dealing with these other false beliefs and these ideas that, that maybe God's love for me has diminished. And so I hope, I hope that's encouraging. If you're listening to this, that, that whatever your situation is, um, that, that God's love for you doesn't ebb and flow Mm-mm. like our love for other people often does. It doesn't ebb and flow. He's not, He's not ashamed of us. He doesn't He doesn't turn away from us in our need. He actually turns towards us in our need. And it's uncomfortable, right? Like if you, well, you're describing intimacy. Right. That's exactly what you're, yeah, yeah. I think that if there's anything uncomfortable in it is that we can really be ourselves and our, like without any sort of like makeup on or whatever, however right. you want to, like no costume, no pretending. Right. It's, we're not acting. We're really living. And that includes being real with God about our confession. It's not a half confession or a, 
confession of, well, this is why I did what I did. It's like, no, this, this sin is really, we know it saddens you, God, and we know it can't be anymore. And at the same time, we know you love us so much that, that this doesn't change that. And yeah, I think that's what it is. It, it, I think it increases our intimacy with him and that we're acknowledging to him who we really are. I mean, he knows that, but it's our experience of that intimacy that I think changes. So good. Well, I'm excited. I get to preach on loving. So how do we then love our neighbor or love our brother out of this love that he has loved us with? I'm excited to hear it. I, I feel like this changes how you walk into a room. It does. I'm not going to say any more about it now because I've had to like hold back. Like I keep uh, the na- the very natural outflow of all this is love yeah. of humans, right? Yes. And we, but we needed a full week just on this vertical aspect first. But it changes how you walk into a room radically. It does, and so we're looking forward to that. And as always, we hope that this has been encouraging and helpful. If you have any questions at all, please let us know. We would love to answer them or address them on future podcasts. Um, but we are just, we're here to try to help and encourage you to pursue Christ and, um, and to, in this case, to just really understand the depth of the love that we have in Christ. And so until next week, grace and peace to you, church family.